Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather Charlie Chaplin and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com In the ruins of one of the world's great civilizations are secrets Holy good lord that may lead to the truth behind a terrifying mystery. Into the darkness. It seems like just yesterday, everyone was talking about the impending Mayan apocalypse. But the year 2012 came and went without our world ending. However, the same can't be said for the once great Mayan empire that mysteriously collapsed a thousand years ago. Their once vibrant cities and imposing pyramids were deserted, reclaimed by the jungle. So what went wrong? And can we protect our own future from whatever disaster consumed the Mayans? For years, archaeologists have had many theories, but no answers. Until now. New evidence is emerging, not in Mayan ruins, but beneath our feet, in cenotes, dark, flooded caverns that the Maya believed were portals to the underworld. In fact, a renowned archaeologist has recently uncovered a secret underground chamber at one of the world's most important Mayan sites. A cavern that he believes may totally reshape our understanding of their collapse. My plan is to join him and other explorers by descending into the Mayan underworld, a place of monsters, ghosts, and legends, to find out what happened to one of the world's mightiest empires. My name is Josh Gates. With a degree in archaeology and a passion for exploration, I have a tendency to end up in some very strange situations. There has got to be a better way to make a living. My travels have taken me to the ends of the earth as I investigate the greatest legends in history. We're good to fly, let's go. This is Expedition Unknown. Mexico, America's sun-drenched neighbor to the south. And at the tip of the Yucatan Peninsula, Cancun. It was only a short flight here from New York, but my bag seems to have had other plans. I'm sure my bag will be out any minute now. <clears throat> you know what you want when you touch down in the jungles of the Yucatan? It's about 120 degrees out. You want to be wearing uh, like a nice thick pair of jeans and some real flimsy boat shoes. This is going to be interesting. It turns out my bag was sent to Washington, D.C., where I assume it's enjoying a tour of the nation's capital. 
As for me, I'm carrying on without it. I've always thought that most tourists come to Cancun looking to hit the beach, party, and get laid. What do you think of my outfit? Me? I'd just settle for a decent pair of boots. No, no, no. After a quick trip to a local store, yes, I pick up some appropriate adventure attire and leave Cancun in the dust. To unravel the secret of the downfall of the Maya, I'm driving an hour and a half south down the coast. From downtown Cancun, it's kind of hard to imagine that an incredibly powerful ancient civilization once thrived here. But all you have to do is head just down the road, right on the coast, and you can see evidence of one of their most beautiful creations. This is Tulum. To the Maya, it was the city of the dawn, a fortified campus of temples surrounded on three sides by thick walls. On the other side, the Caribbean. And atop the sheer cliffs, a stone pyramid gazing out to the sun. I'm meeting with archaeologist Carmen Rojas to learn more about the people who built the city. At its height, how big is this civilization? Five million people. Five million just in the Yucatan? Yeah. To understand how chilling the downfall of the Maya is, consider how high they soared. From 300 to 800 AD, the Mayan Empire exploded across the Yucatan Peninsula and down through Guatemala, Belize, Honduras, and El Salvador. In unforgiving jungles, more than 4,000 cities emerged, supporting more than 20 million people. The Mayas were an amazing civilization, but we have many questions because they are not here, so we can ask them. We only have their structures or their burials. Within about 100 years, the entire civilization ground to a halt. It is one of the greatest mysteries of archaeology. Why do you think that these large-scale Mayan cities were abandoned? It's not really clear what happened. Some people say it's because of the political changes. Some others say it's because of the climate change. What do you think personally caused them to walk away from these places? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the question. That's the question. Not knowing is troubling. After all, if it could happen to the Maya, could it happen to us? There are many theories about the Mayan collapse, including war, disease, a natural disaster, or the arrival of the Spanish. Over time, though, these theories have started to fall apart. For instance, even though Tulum was still occupied when the Spanish arrived, it was in serious decline, and many other Mayan cities had been totally abandoned. One of those cities is just a little further inland. The Yucatan is covered in thick jungles, but beneath the canopy, there are secrets. These are the ruins of Coba. This is really one of the coolest sites here in the uh, Yucatan. It's been partially excavated, but as you can see, a lot of it's really overgrown still, so it has this very mysterious kind of Indiana Jones vibe. The site covered 30 square miles with a population of more than 50,000 people. That's larger than the city of London at the time. Today, the empty ruins give us clues about life in the Mayan world. This is a Mayan ball court. It's something that you find in every ruined Mayan city in the world, and not just one of them. Most cities had lots of these. It's a game that we only partially understand. There's still a lot of debate about exactly how it was played and what its significance was. What's clear is that it was difficult and deadly. The Mesoamerican ball game was a fixture of Mayan society. It's a little bit soccer, a little bit racquetball, and seriously high stakes. 
Based on Mayan glyphs, it seems players would try to knock a ball through a stone hoop. But this was more than just a game. It was a ritual to the gods. During official matches, the losing team would be executed. Sometimes the winning team as well. Along with the ball courts, the buildings at Coba are some of the most impressive in all of Mexico. This includes Ishmoja, the tallest Mayan pyramid in the Yucatan. But to really appreciate it, you have to get to the top. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. I'm in Mexico searching for answers to the collapse of the Mayan Empire. I'm exploring the ruins of the city of Coba and the crumbling remains of the tallest pyramid in the Yucatan. Today's cardio workout brought to you by the Mayan Empire. Here we go. The pyramid has a hundred steps. Actually, there's a lot more than that, but I stopped counting when it felt like my heart was going to explode. <sighs> that is horrible. Stairs are ridiculous. No wonder the civilization collapsed. Okay. Okay. <coughs> and soon, I arrive triumphantly at the top of the pyramid. going to lay down right here. If anybody needs me, I'll just be here at the top of this pyramid for the rest of eternity. Somebody send a helicopter up here, please. Climbing to the top of the pyramid immediately puts a bunch of things in perspective. You realize, first of all, just how huge these structures are. And it's so impressive that they were all crafted entirely by hand without the use of modern equipment. But beyond that, you really get a sense of how much of the Mayan world was about jungle. You know, you look out and even a thousand years after the end of their empire, it's the dominant thing here. You know, it's undeveloped. Uh, this is still just this incredibly difficult, impermeable landscape. It's so impermeable that you look out, you see these bumps. Those are huge pyramids. That's how difficult it is. We know there are other pyramids here. We haven't gone in to excavate them yet. It's that hard. In fact, of the 6,500 buildings in Koba, only 2% have been excavated. And along with the jungle, there's something else about the landscape that catches my eye. There's no water anywhere to be found. It's not until you get above the trees that you fully appreciate how difficult a place they were built in. The Maya are the only large civilization in history to concentrate their cities in a place without rivers. So how did they pull it off? That's what I aim to find out. With daylight fading, I drive back to Tulum, only to find the city and its residents have changed. This is Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead, a national holiday to commemorate those who have crossed to the other side. It feels like I've wandered into a Tim Burton movie, but this celebration has deep roots. 
elements of Spanish Catholicism blended with the rituals of the Maya. Dancing skeletons were a part of all Saints' Day festivals in medieval Europe, while here in Mexico, the native people wore skull masks as a way to confront death. Something that on the surface looks incredibly ghoulish and macabre is actually unbelievably joyous. The culture's unique relationship with the afterlife can be seen in every living skull. While many societies fear death, here, it's a part of life. And to the Maya, it's just another step in reaching a higher existence. It isn't just a feast for the eyes. The food is also out of this world. I don't know about Day of the Dead. My diet just died. There's also one dish you definitely won't find at your local Mexican restaurant. Can I say something? These are, oh, those are insects. These are little tiny crickets. <clears throat> Boy, but they are big on flavor. That is a vinegary, insecty kind of flavor. Very good. Very, very good. I'm lying. I don't enjoy this. Why did I take like 200 of them? Well, that's a lot of legs and antenna to get through. I'm starting to get into the spirit of things, so I decide to get my own morbid makeover. I look like John Candy in Spaceballs. After a bit more dabbing, painting, and blending, my transformation is complete. With my new look, I go from an outsider to being the afterlife of the party. I'm sorry, is this skeleton throwing gang signs right now? This is much better. I feel like I'm blending in more now. It takes a little weight off me. It's a very thinning look. I gotta go skeletal more often. The next morning, I hit the ground running to continue my investigation. To understand how the Maya thrived without any rivers, I'm meeting archaeologist Giovanna Jimenez at the entrance to a natural cave complex near Tulum. Hola. Hola. Giovanna. Yes, nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you too. <laughs> I'm here to learn about caves. Yes. I see you've got a, you have a wetsuit on? Yes. Uh, well, we're going to need it, you know, actually. Oh, I was picturing something dry. No? No, <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> not at all. After a quick wardrobe change, she leads me down a rickety wooden staircase into this subterranean maze. There's like millions oh of stalactites. Beneath the surface is another world. Unbelievable. These chambers are known as cenotes. The Yucatan Peninsula is made of limestone. Over millions of years, rainwater has flowed through the surface, slowly dissolving and weakening the rock. Eventually, the limestone collapses, turning the underside of the Yucatan into Swiss cheese. The cenotes filtered billions of gallons of fresh water into flooded tunnels, creating a clean, plentiful source of water vital to the Mayans. How old is this formation, well, do you think? This place would be about two million years old. Two million years so. old. And how many cenotes are there in the Yucatan? Well, just to be conservative, we have about 6,000 discovered. 6,000 yes. cenotes. That's insane. And, and, and what about tunnels that connect them? There is about 1,000 miles that has been discovered, but that's just the 10%. So there's almost 10,000 miles worth of tunnels that nobody has been into yet? Yeah, it's like a tree, let's say. You know, it has many branches, so you have to really connect those passages. As we make our way deeper into the pitch black cenote, the light bouncing off the crystal clear water is disorienting. The caves are both beautiful and creepy and totally otherworldly, which is exactly what the Mayans thought. Central to Mayan life was the belief in Xibalba, the underworld known as the place of fear. 
Ruled by the Mayan death gods, this mythological realm was filled with demons, serpents, and spirits of the dead. Shabalba, it turns out, is more than just a story. It's a real place. And we're wading right through it. It's just like endless. Yes. How many hours could you walk for down here? Oof, you could walk a whole day and no finish. Really? Yep. And do you ever get freaked out being alone down here? Yes. You do? Yes. All right, good. <laughs> Mayans regarded these cenotes as sacred conduits to this other world and would perform elaborate ceremonies and even ritual sacrifices at the edges of these seemingly endless caves. After what feels like a mile of darkness, Giovanna leads me to something that takes my breath away. No way, look at that. I'm traveling Mexico's Yucatan Peninsula, looking for answers to the disappearance of the ancient Maya. Now, I've been led deep into an underground cave called a cenote to discover a breathtaking artifact. No way, look at that. That is unbelievable. It's amazingly rare to see an intact piece of Mayan pottery and in such a remote location. So why is it here? How long has this been down here for? Well, this is from about uh, 800 years ago. And, it, and it's in position, it's where it was found? Yes, probably it was a part of an offering. If they came to put it down here, it means it was something really important. It was unnerving enough getting here with modern headlamps, wetsuits, and guidelines. Imagine having only a torch, believing this was a supernatural realm filled with serpents and demons. If the Mayan were so intimidated by these cenotes, why do you think that they would come all the way down here to put that there? Well, probably no water, no food, something like that could be happening, you know, and then you really need to do something like coming through the underworld, you know? Right, if you really need it that bad, you're willing to come down here. Yeah. Could this offering be a clue? And could water have something to do with the collapse of the empire? To find out, Giovanna and I make the long trek back into the light. And she leads me to what appears to be a large pond, but appearances can be deceiving. This is another cenote, but it's filled to the brim with water. To explore it, we need to dive. Okay. I've brought along a remote operated vehicle or ROV that will help film our journey and navigate any tight spaces. We submerge and I'm stunned by the clarity of the water. The walls of the cenote are like vertical cliffs and as we descend, the light from the surface begins to fade away. As we dive deeper, I suddenly see something rising up from the darkness. Holy look at that! Oh my god! It looks like a monster, but these tendrils are the tops of branches from a huge tree that fell into the cenote ages ago. What's truly unsettling is the strange-looking fog hovering underneath it. This is a layer of hydrogen sulfide, an acid suspended in the water which creates an illusion that I'm flying above clouds. I'm starting to see why the Maya thought these cenotes were supernatural. 
I'm also realizing how huge this place really is. Looks like another passage over here. Let's send the ROV in ahead to have a look. I follow the ROV and discover that this cenote is part of a massive labyrinth of tunnels. Beneath the Mayan Empire is a watery looking glass world. Once I get over how spooky it is, I realize something else. This may be the most beautiful place I've ever seen. These cenotes were the only source of water for the entire Mayan Empire in the Yucatan. Even the jungle above is drinking out of them. And while I want to keep exploring, it's important not to go too far. Not wanting to permanently join the land of the dead, we return to the surface. Woo! How cool is that down there? It's like a science fiction movie. It's another world. It's crazy. To better understand how these cenotes relate to the collapse of the Maya, I'm heading west to meet with archaeologists that have recently made a stunning discovery. From the coast, I'm driving about 100 miles through the city of Valladolid, and then onto the Mayan city of Chichen Itza. This is the real Yucatan. Undeveloped, unspoiled, wild. And even though the cities of the Maya have long been abandoned, Mayan people still endure. There are an estimated 7 million Maya living throughout the Americas, some in traditional villages, others in cities, like Valladolid. You'd be hard-pressed to find a more charming town in the Yucatan. This is the colonial city of Valladolid. It was established by the Spanish in the 1540s. This place is old. It's also kind of a sleepy town today. In the 1800s, the local Maya actually staged an uprising against the Spanish here, and they were successful. For a time, they actually took the whole city. Today, it's a pretty quiet little place. Most tourists just bypass it. They go from the hotels out on the coast, take the big highway over to Chichen Itza, and they don't really stop in here, which is really a shame because this town is gorgeous. The only downside to this colonial paradise is that it's absolutely sweltering. Hola, senor. It's very, very hot here. Is this ice cream, helado? Can I have one, please? Uh, coco, por favor. Pequeño. Oh, this is going to hit the spot right here. Cuando cuesta? How much? How much? 20 pesos. And I am out of money. I just bought an ice cream with no money. That's embarrassing. Unfortunately, this guy doesn't take credit cards, but he's come up with another way for me to pay off my bill. Ice cream for sale. Helado. Helado for sale. Anyone? Ice cream? I'm working off a of debt, people, please. Anybody, buy an ice cream for me. Helado. Watermelon. This guy's got. You have watermelon? This guy's hurting my business. It turns out I have a little competition. Ten pesos. Ten pesos? Ten pesos? Five pesos right here, people. Five pesos. I'm taking you out, buddy. Helado, sir, would you like a helado? Delicious. Don't buy from this gentleman. He's wanted by the authorities. Helado? Helado, see? Okay, this is what we're talking about. I have um, coca o piña. Coco? Coco. Coco o piña. Coco. Trace Coco, coming up. I can do this. It's a little melty. I'm definitely gonna give you a napkin with this. Coco, that's for you, my friend. Yep. Coco, there you go. Coco for you. Gracias, thank you very much. Okay, I'm making money at this. Gracias, senor. With my debt paid off, I'm free to leave town. 
But before I go, I need to make one very important stop. The very cool thing about these cenotes is that, yes, some of them are out in the middle of nowhere and are hard to get to, but some of them are literally right in the middle of town. Yes, cenotes are dark, they are mysterious, but in this heat, they're also very refreshing. That's how you cool off. I'd spend all day cooling off in this cenote, but I've got work to do. About 25 miles down the road, I pull over and walk along a jungle path. In the clearing ahead is one of the most stunning ruins in the world. I've come to the Yucatan Peninsula chasing new leads in the mystery of the downfall of the Mayan Empire. My travels have brought me to a jungle path that leads to a stunning sight. This is Chichen Itza, the most famous Mayan city in the world. Sprawling out over a thousand acres, it contains imposing temples, a stellar observatory, sacrificial altars, and a massive ball court that feels like the Colosseum of the New World. And at the center of it all, archaeologists discovered El Castillo. When they stripped back the jungle growth, they revealed the finest pyramid in the Americas. In fact, it's actually a massive calendar, with 365 steps, one for each day of the year. On the spring and fall equinox, the sun shadows even create the illusion that a massive stone serpent is creeping down the stairs. I'm here to meet with famed Mayan archaeologist Guillermo de Anda, who has recently found new clues as to why this mighty city fell apart. How long have you been studying Chichen Itza? Uh, over 20 years. Is this site built here and aligned here simply because of astronomy? I mean, so, so much of the Mayan world seems to be fixated on it. Yes, we believe not. Astronomy was a very important part. This um, building, it's like a huge calendar. Uh-huh. But also, it's uh, built there in relationship with cenotes because most of the main deities lived in cenotes and caves. Right. Specifically, one god, Chak, uh -huh. which was the rain god. Few Mayan deities were treated with greater reverence than the rain god Chak. The Maya relied on rain to fill the cenotes with water essential to their survival. When that rain didn't come, blood was shed. In some cases, priests even cut the beating hearts out of sacrificial victims. And why do you think they fixated on cenotes? Is it because they're naturally kind of mysterious places or because they were filled with water which they needed? What, what was it about the cenotes that drew them? I think it's uh, both things. They were amazed, as we are, with the beauty of the places and the mystery of the places. And when you go into a cave, everything changed. The humidity, the temperature, the light conditions, the smell. Going there is going to the supernatural. Is the whole reason that Chichen Itza is here is because of these cenotes? Yes, I think so. But if you really want to understand, you have to see it from above. To better understand the significance of the cenotes to Chichen Itza, we head to the local airfield to catch a ride. Ready to fly? Ready. Okay, let's fly. Yep. 
Yeah, it's amazing. It's not until you get up here that you realize just how forested this place is. It's just covered in thick jungle. There's hundreds of cenotes down there. It's amazing how the Maya could have lived here and conquered this land. For years, archaeologists assumed Chichen Itza was aligned to the sun and stars. But Guillermo and others have made a series of discoveries that have to do with cenotes. Now I can see El Castillo, I can see yes, the pyramid yes. just rising up from the jungle. Incredible. The most famous cenote at Chichen Itza is the sacred cenote, which we see at the end of a straight path north of the pyramid. In this gaping mouth, hundreds of people, mainly children, were sacrificed and dumped into the murky water. But there are other cenotes here. Along with the sacred well in the north, there is Cenote Kanjium to the east, Eshtalak to the south, and to the far west, Holtun, which was only found in the last decade. And the Maya were fantastic builders and mathematicians, and they knew exactly where and how to put their building. This is part of their sacred geography. This sacred geography may have been the reason behind Chichen Itza's design. The four cenotes create a diamond, and at the center is the Pyramid of El Castillo. It turns out the entire layout of the city, and in fact of many Mayan cities, was dictated by the location of water. The little explored cenote of Holtun is remote and hard to reach, but Guillermo believes this sacred well could provide answers to why the Maya disappeared. Holtun, it's very hard to see from up here. It's sort of shrouded in the jungle. I can show it to you. Yeah, I yeah, can really. see it? For sure, then we'll go there. All right, I'm in. Okay, good flight. Back on the ground, Guillermo and I waste no time setting off into the deepest jungles of the Yucatan. I'm eager to understand the secrets of Holtun, a cenote that has only been explored by just a handful of archaeologists before me. But getting there is no walk in the park. You know, even though Chichen Itza is such a well-known site, I now finally understand why this particular cenote was kind of off the map for so long. The jungles here, they grow so fast that if these little trails aren't tended to, they just grow right in and disappear. It is not the kind of place you want to get lost. Luckily, Guillermo knows where he's going. Everything in the Yucatan is sharp, Guillermo. Yes, it is. You gotta be very careful here. I'm literally trapped in these jungles. Don't leave me, Guillermo. <laughs> these jungles are the real deal. And even though some of the Yucatan's local residents are making me wish I was back on the plane, I continue to follow Guillermo, eager to see this rarely explored cenote that may hold the answers to the collapse of the Mayan Empire. So when was this cenote really discovered? Just a few years ago. So very recently. This is it. This is it. We're here. Wow, look at that. Just a little hole in the ground. Yes, that's what it is. Whoa, how far down is that? 78 feet. That's a bad fall if you go down there. Oh yeah. And how exactly does one get to the bottom of this thing? Uh, we're gonna use ropes, there's no other way. And uh, we're gonna use these to uh, support us? Yeah. We had only had maybe three people falling. That's not much. <laughs> You know the saying, it takes a village? Well, it applies to more than just raising children. Guillermo brings in a small army of men from a local village. These are the descendants of the Maya, and they help us move all of our essential gear out to the cenote and prepare for the descent. Now all that's left to do is suit up. 
Wetsuit plus harness is very packagey. May need to blur some of this out. Toto Bien? Holy good lord. That lord, it's suffering. <laughs> Why are you messing with I'm me right now? <laughs> okay, you're let's good, go. You're good, man. You're good. See you later. See you later. Good luck. Good lord. Here we go. Into the darkness. Oh my god, you are not going to believe this. My mission to uncover the ultimate fate of the Maya has led me across Mexico to the ruins of Chichen Itza, and now deep in the jungle to a little explored cenote known as Holtun. The opening is little more than a hole in the ground, which gives way to a 70-foot drop into the unknown. We've lowered down a camera and one light, and I'm next. Into the darkness. I'm going to be honest, I am pretty freaked out right about now. The narrow sides of the opening are covered in vines, but as I descend, the hole opens up to something larger. Much larger. Oh my god, you are not going to believe this! It's a huge cavern! Bats everywhere! The tiny entrance above is actually a door, the top of a domed cavern more than a hundred feet wide and dripping with stalactites. And below me, it's a long way down. Okay, keep going. I'm about halfway there. As I approach the water, I feel overwhelmed with adrenaline. Since this cenote was rediscovered, only about a dozen people have made this descent into the darkness. I guess I'm lucky number 13. Poco más, poco más. As I hit the water, though, the reality of my situation sinks in. I'm floating in black water, and there's no way out but up. All right, Guillermo, let's do this. No se espanten. I'm slightly anxious for some company. Once Guillermo arrives, we don our masks and descend. Visibility is so clear, and the cenote is so dark that I feel like I'm floating, not in water, but in space. Because the water is so clear, it's very hard to get a sense of how deep you are or the distance between things. It's kind of disorienting. You have the sensation that you are flying. Let's uh, head down here, Josh. I want to show you some of the beautiful cave formations here. Absolutely incredible, just these huge curtain formations and, and stalactites. Guillermo's team has made a number of huge finds in this darkness. First, they've realized that Holtun is critical to the alignment of all of Chichen Itza. Every May 23rd, when the sun reaches its zenith or highest point, it shines directly down into the mouth of Holtun, bathing this black water in ethereal light. 
Then, that night, the sun sets directly in line with the cenote and the side of Chichen Itza's main pyramid. Okay, so where are we headed? Over to the wall? Yeah, we'll go to the wall to one side where there's a little cavern where there's uh, this land, this shelf. Okay, I'm right behind you. Here we go. Josh, come on. Come on here. Look at this. Oh, my God. Look at that. Incredible pieces of pottery. Incredible intact ceramics. Yeah, this is uh, one thing the Cenotes have. They preserve materials in an incredible way. But there are other secrets here. As beautiful as the cenote is, it is also undeniably scary. Really scary. This truly is the Mayan underworld. To them, this was the home of Chak, the rain god. Who knows what rituals the royalty at Chichen Itza conducted here. Amazing pottery down here. Definitely offerings to the gods. Very dark in here, Guillermo. They need some of your light. exploring what appears to be a sacrificial altar, Guillermo leads me to the other side of the cenote. George, just be very careful here. All this material has been there, untouched for centuries. Copy that. Help me through this, Guillermo. There's so many things I'm looking at here. What, what are we seeing here? There is uh, human bones. There's uh, human skulls, which are obvious. There's lots of animals. There's deer, dogs. That pot has uh, bones coming out from it. We believe it was placed with an animal inside. The stone shelf contains a grisly scene, but it's not just the bones that are disturbing. It's their organization. There's so many things on the shelf. Guillermo, what do you think we're looking at? Was this a funerary offering? Was this a sacrifice? What do you think this is? We assume that this is a sacrifice deposit and blood was important for the gods to produce rain, so probably this is a sacrifice assemble. At more than 20 feet underwater, it would have been impossible for the Maya to arrange these items so carefully. Unless, of course, none of this was submerged at the time. We believe it was a huge drought. The archaeological material matches that time, and uh, we believe that uh, water level was at least 20, 25 feet below than what it is now. This shelf is actually a ceremonial altar, which means the water level must have plummeted far enough for the Maya to descend here on foot and make desperate sacrifices. Have you really 
actually excavated around here at all yet? Have you looked under the sediment? No, we're really waiting for better technology to know what's down there before we even touch anything. The bones had been dated to about a thousand years ago, the exact time when the Mayan Empire began to collapse. This analysis is now being confirmed in other parts of the region as well. Recently, samples drilled in a massive cenote in Belize show mineral deposits indicating a terrifying lack of rainfall at the time. No rain, no drinking water, no corn. And just like that, the whole delicate balance of life begins to topple over. Josh, uh, their supply is getting low. I think it's time to go up. Copy that. I'm right behind you, Guillermo. We ascend to the surface and, with the help of the modern Mayans, get pulled back toward the sun. That's a long way back up. Okay. <laughs> Guillermo, I'll see you later. I'm getting out of here. There's a whole other world down there. It's a dark, scary, and very cool world. It's good to be back up here in the land of the living. As I make my way out of the jungle, it's now clear that the Mayans oriented their entire world toward water. And yet, though brilliant, they weren't able to anticipate that their environment could turn on them. By the time of the drought, they had cut down most of the trees in the region for firewood, building materials, and to clear fields for corn. A new NASA computer model shows that the loss of that many trees likely caused a 20 to 30% decrease in rainfall. In other words, the Mayans brought on their own demise. The Maya themselves didn't vanish. The culture and generations of people have survived. But the empire that once was is gone. It is said that those who cannot remember the past are doomed to repeat it. World populations are exploding, deforestation is rampant, and droughts are becoming more common. The seemingly silent ruins of the Mayan world whisper to us. We just need to listen. From crumbling pyramids above ground to the miles of flooded chambers in the underworld, the message is clear. We must strike a true balance with nature and live within our means. If not, we may be destined to answer to the Earth itself. So, you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out, everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. 
It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Acast.com.